welcome to our first podcast. Wait. <laughs> welcome to our first podcast. You are here with Audrey and, and Aubrey. <laughs> Um, and we are designing with dirt. We are we're looking at design with, with dirt um, because we are living in Africa, and, and we know that people in Africa get perceived to have mud huts and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of misconception about, about design in Africa. Well, there's a lot of misconceptions about Africa to begin with, and I guess that stems into how everyone else interrogates things in Africa and that's where we come in. We're two designers living in Africa wanting to address the misconceptions about design in Africa. And then also talk about some common issues that we face in design in Africa. I mean we, um, we've spoken about it at quite length um, where we see people use design or AI in design and we noticed that that's something that's happening across mm-hmm. the world it's, mm-hmm. and it's happening in Africa. Yeah. We're also relatively tech savvy mm-hmm. in, in the field. <laughs> so, so we will be talking from a slightly more, I would say, privileged mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. We both yeah. went to university mm-hmm. um, and we, we both studied design in, in one field or the other. Um, and I think that that's probably an angle we'll be able to contribute to our conversation. Yeah. But also speaking about challenges, I think it's worthwhile to address the unique ways in which we resolve our issues and how we incorporate design in solving problems that are specific to us as Africans. Yes. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're just trying to figure this out as we go. So this is a little bit of a pilot episode that we, we're going to be recording. We're going to be looking at some of the things that we hopefully want to tackle in the future perhaps. Um, and then we're also going to open it up to conversation. So if you know us, if you see us, if you listen to our podcast, feel free to talk to us about some misconceptions that you've noticed in, in design in Africa. Um, and not necessarily African design, but design in, in Africa. In Africa, yeah. Those are two different things. Hopefully, we'll touch on the difference between the two. Um, but I also just want to throw it out there that we don't have to necessarily only talk about misconceptions. We could talk about amazing things that designers in Africa are doing. Um, I think this is also a good platform for us to showcase um, that African designers are just at par with global designers and yeah, we provide a platform to celebrate that as well. Yeah, and then also areas of opportunity. You know, perhaps you're a, a designer looking for inspiration um, and you don't know where, where to even start looking for yeah. inspiration. Knowing that there are people out there doing things specifically or that there are gaps in specific research that we found or there's, um, oh, it makes us sound like we know, know a lot, you know, but I think that just having that conver- a conversation, yeah. starting that discourse, you know, really is, is what we want to do, do on this show. And we're not necessarily limiting it to, to interior design or design in the built environment. Um, I think that we're both interior it designers. Is, yeah. um, I, I come from a, a background where it's a lot of multidisciplinary software orientated design. Yeah, and my background is predominantly research and design and the integration of both. Um, 
and as I'm listening to you speak, I'm just like, oh my God, the imposter syndrome is kicking in. I don't know anything about all of those things that we're going to talk about. So, I mean, this is also a great challenge for us to get to know what's out there, to engage a bit more with what's in the field and bring it to you, our listeners. Yeah, great. <laughs> and then just also her imposter syndrome kicks in with a master's degree. Thank you so much, Audrey, <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I am literally faking it till you make it. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing, right? <laughs> um, okay, I have a question. Yeah. Why design with dirt? So just to give a bit of context, you did come up with a suggestion of designing with dirt. Um, what was the thinking behind it? So there's, there's a couple of angles. Okay, so the, the most obvious angle is that we're designing with dirt, so we're using alternative materials, I'm using air quotation marks on an audio podcast. Um, we are, we have mud huts in, in Africa, rondavals if you, if you may. We use alternative materials um, to build, not necessarily because we've adapted it, but that's how people have built in Africa for, for very long um, because of the climate. Um, so that was one of the aspects that I took took in uh, into consideration with that name and yeah. the second second area is dirt I mean if you think of dirt um, dirt is typically oriented with with negative things mm -hmm. and I want to talk about some negative aspects, aspects. and yeah. how these aspects aren't necessarily perceived mm -hmm. they, they're not necessarily addressed mm -hmm. in local design mm -hmm. uh, no we see that our, our students often take inspiration from international design, mm. not necessarily local design, because they think local design is dirt. Yeah. Which it isn't. Our local designers are awesome. Awesome, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very interesting that you brought that up, because I've had a conversation with my dad before. I think I was probably in my second year, my third year. And so, yeah, we're just going to throw about ideas now, because now I'm thinking decolonization of design and design thinking and all of that, but I'll get to it. So my dad asked me, why don't, do you not learn about African methods of building construction and in school? And I have to say, although I'm very embarrassed to admit this, that I, I was also one of those people that thought, well, African design or design in Africa is substandard. And I would say, no, but our technology does not measure up to Western technology. I am just going to put a disclaimer here that I have grown so much more from back then. I don't think the same anymore. Uh, I think there's value in us not only educating um, the masses, but also our immediate context, our students, um, our local designers, to understand that we don't need to, like you're saying, seek inspiration from international projects only. Um, I think we have amassed lots of value in how we do things, in the technologies, in the systems that we have been using for centuries now, and that should be celebrated. Another thing is when, when you think of sustainability, I think Africans have been doing sustainability for a very long time. It's just yeah. cool now because the Western world is now doing it, but if you look at the fundamentals of sustainability, it's basically designing with dirt because that is the material that is available to you there. You're not putting in any more energy to get your materials to site, you're using local skills, local labor, and that in essence is sustainability in, in the building industry. Yeah, so with that said, a lot of the times when I ask students to produce a sustainable sample board, yeah. they, they're 
solution is all of these innovative sustainable tech mm -hmm. that you need to import and yeah. my favorite line is oh i'm using these sustainable bamboo <laughs> floors my favorite is bamboo yeah. That's that's my favorite wine. Yeah. Okay, so where did you get your bamboo from? Oh no, a supplier. Okay, where does the supplier get it from? Yeah. Oh, maybe Japan? Okay, great. <laughs> Sustainable bamboo shipped from Japan. When do you need it? Tomorrow? By plane. Fantastic. Okay, so that's a typical thing, mm -hmm. uh, example that we mm -hmm. see in, in the built environment. Yeah. The, the bad sample quality mm -hmm. and the bad, the misinformedness of, I'm going to call it greenwashing yeah. because it's, it really it's is greenwashing. Green People think yeah. that uh, like bamboo is green mm -hmm. and it, it most likely is in some yeah. cases, but not like holistically. There's no one size fits all band-aid yeah. with sustainability. And just understanding that there are Af African examples that we can use in that case. Supporting local is also extremely important. Mm -hmm. and I think that when we look at sustainability, one of the major factors that we speak about, and maybe this is a completely different topic, is to support your local local, local businesses. Mm -hmm. um, on a side note, we're probably going to get guests in, right? We probably should. I have a couple of ideas, so we'll get them in, get to speak about their expertise, and yeah, contribute to this conversation. While we're on this, can I just add that sustainability does not equal high tech? Yeah. I think that's also the other common um, idea that I'm seeing in industries as much as I'm seeing with the students currently, is that we think sustainability has to be something that is overly curated or overly engineered in order for it to be sustainable. Um, but hopefully by having those conversations, we're encouraging that by adapting our thinking to be local, we're inevitably encouraging uh, the thinking to be sustainable as well. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, looking at high-tech things might not necessarily be a bad thing for us to do. We could have a look at some high-tech areas within design and decide, you know, are these things sustainable things? Are these things local things? Yeah. What high-tech things are our local people doing? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was doing my honors oh, yeah. program by implementing things like a augmented reality in mm -hmm. courseware. Yeah. Um, and that is very high-tech. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily see that, but it's also not something that you would imagine in an African mm -hmm. environment, yeah. which boils back to that misconception <laughs> of we walk between the lions, yeah. which we kind of do sometimes. We have tigers <laughs> in Edenvale. I mean, how many in incidences have you had recently of lions escaping? And yeah. So, so truth be told, is we we see we have a lot of nature reserves, and I love that we are so in in nature. Because even in our suburbs, you know, people have trees. We have lo lovely tall trees in Africa, but. We don't have a lot of wildlife in our suburbs and in our cities. And when there is like a tiger or a lion escaping, yeah, yeah. it's because someone is keeping them as a pet <laughs> and they shouldn't. Yeah. So just a side note, are people allowed to keep wild animals as pets in South nope. Africa? I think that's a very interesting question. <laughs> there, there, there are regulations on that. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually easier if you import pets. But I, I think that maybe that's one of the topics we should, we should talk about. <laughs> We're going to, yeah. Now, okay, speaking about misconceptions, um, and you briefly mentioned African design and then you just brushed it off. But I think that's also one thing we should talk about, African design, and what can be considered African design. 
Um, speaking from a point of, uh, from a background of interior design, for example, um, when you mention African design, I can guarantee you nine out of ten people visualize mm. African interior design as a very particular style, you know, mm. with all your patterns and all your colors and shapes and forms within an interior space. Um, then you have your the very specific type of materials also being used. And I think it will be worthwhile for us to question if that is what we considered African design. Yeah, and then also how much of that African design was dated. Yeah. I mean, when I picture African design, in, and I'm an interior designer yeah. who knows what modern African design looks like, but if I hear the term African design, I imagine chalets yeah. in the bush belt yep. where there's some... <laughs> Elephants printed <laughs> yeah. on, on the curtains and, and leather leather couches, yeah. thatch roofs, and that's not what African design <laughs> and is And animal skin rugs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's also one of the biggest challenge with us trying to compete on the international stage because mm -hmm. not only do we as African designers um, consider that the epitome of African design, but that is what the rest of the world has been fed as well to believe that this is what African design is. And so when it comes to playing a role in the design field, if it does not look a particular way, then does that mean it's going to be a challenge for it to be accepted as a design hailing from Africa? And, and maybe the, a question that we, we need to ask is, is this this elephant print that we see in in the chalets in the bush um, is that just like the 80s type of fashion mm. of African design is yeah. that going to make a comeback in 20 years yeah. you, know, that's... you think 20 I think 10 you think 10 I think 10 haven't you seen the, those denim skirts that are now coming back to <laughs> my god no and the 90s fashion we used to see like your rock stars wear and it's it's everywhere now so I'm like yeah. this is so soon guys for this fashion to be coming back Okay, so, so the next thing we know, elephant prints, elephant print curtains is going to be trending yeah. right now. And you know what? I feel like I want to use it in a project. I'm going to give some students a challenge to use elephant print, print curtains. Yeah. But let's bring it back and make it trendy. You know how, um, now that we're speaking about design and design in general, there's a movement where logos are being changed and redirected towards a certain direction where they seem very flat also the like the fnb logo for example yeah so perhaps we should bring back the elephant print and make it abstract and yeah. make it fit the modern world yeah yeah like really scandinavianize the, <laughs> the elephant, the elephant print, print exactly no, no. so uh, on, on that on that note that that was a joke in case anyone <laughs> in case you didn't catch it um I mean, if we have a look at some traditional African elements mm. um, and convert it into a slightly more timeless, mm. uh, timeless way, we could also look at some of those element, uh, mm. elements. Um, while I was doing my honors degree, we had a project where we needed to, to reflect on what our true design style is as a, as a South African designer. And I noticed that a lot of it is actually just sharp angles and mm. bold colors and yeah. things like that. Perhaps we could... As, as designers, I'm not talking about just me and you, I'm talking about people in Africa. Um, why don't we look at what African design truly means? Mm. I mean, South Africans have the best humor. You, we both know that. I mean, we are also super controversial with our humor, yeah. and if we had yep. to take that joke to America, they'll probably hang us. Um, but 
that is a design element. Yeah. Why, why don't we mm. incorporate it, embrace mm. it a little bit more? Mm. My favorite thing, now that you've mentioned that, is that design shouldn't be looked at on a surface level. And I don't think design should be engaged with on a surface level either. Um, and I think that's where the magic happens. So yes, we do have all these amazing patterns and colors, um, but what is it about those patterns and colors that you can reimagine, you know, add a creative flair to it so that, yes, even though I might have an interior that is colorful and has so much patterns and all of it, but what is the deeper meaning behind it? You know, what is, what is the deeper aspect that I should be looking at? Is it the fact that you're considering different angles coming in together and, you know, and creating form in a space? Does it have to be surface treatment? I don't think so. That, but there's definitely opportunity there, which brings me back to my earlier statement. What we really need to be focusing on is changing the mindset of how people see design, how people engage with design, and really basically on a multifaceted level, not so much just about, you know, this needs to be done, this is how it needs to look like, and then we're calling it a day. So with that said, there's a couple of designers in Africa that do fantastic. So, so one of my favorite uh, designers is, uh, or design brands in Africa that is really embracing modern Africa is Makosa Africa. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're taking the traditional Makosa clothing and modernizing it for the modern um, African man. And I think that the, those are the type of innovations that we want to start seeing more often. Mm -hmm. um, that's the, the type of, 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 of thing that really makes me as a, a South African designer proud yeah. of our of our South African designers. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, if there's anyone that specifically you, stands you, up. You're putting me in the spotlight. Okay, I that's, need great. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what we're trying to do. I need, I need to think this through. But we can also make a show about it. Yeah. Perhaps if you know a good designer <laughs> and you know us, let us know who that local yeah. designer is. And perhaps we might just get them in and interview them as well, you never know, so that they yeah, can share their thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have to come back to you on that one, uh, but mostly I'm just thinking more in the architecture field. I quite enjoy how up-and-coming architects in Africa experimenting with the notion of history and how they reuse some of the forms that were previously known in traditional forms, um, but then they're attaching modern technologies in the spaces as well. Ooh, now I have to think of someone and <laughs> and name them. Okay, I'll I'll come back to you okay. with a list of <laughs> with a list of uh, of designers that I think that are doing very well in the African design scene. Okay, yeah, there there we go. The next ep episode, African designers that are doing great in the African design scene. I think that, that's that is a good episode to have. <laughs> that right? is a good episode, and just like that, we have episode two. Yeah, just like that, we have <laughs> we have episode two. Oh snap! <laughs> okay, great. Um, Okay, I, th I think that we've, we've been rambling on for 20 minutes, can you believe that? I think that, that this is a good time to end episode one, mm -hmm. um, so we can start planning episode two. It's a pilot episode, it really is just like a little bit of an intro on, on things that we were considering talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and, and giving you an idea of who we are. So. Yeah. Let's, let's do that again. We made it. We made it. Um, so, uh, just to finish this off, um, just to put it in perspective, 
Abri and I sit next to each other in the office and we're always exchanging comments and, and, and commentary about some of these topics. And we said, why not start a podcast? And so we took the leap of faith. Here we are, episode one done. Um, I'm, so, I'm so proud of us. Oh, that, 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 that was <laughs> nice. And you know what? It, it happened. What were we discussing? We were discussing how we can encourage our students to, to use, use AI, AI right? Yeah. And we ended up trying to generate images of yeah. what AI could look yeah. like in the interior space. Also, just to preempt, so we have episode three. Episode three is going to be AI in the built environment. Yeah. So yeah, AI in interior design specifically. Yeah. Um, and perhaps we should make it AI and African and interior design. African interior design, yeah. Oh, oh well, ooh, ooh, this um, is growing too much. It, it sounds, is, like, a, it sounds it like a master's topic. It <laughs> is. I'm ready because you have no idea how many photos I've seen on LinkedIn by designers not based in Africa exploring with AI to come up with images of what African interior design And it's exactly what I'm saying. But we'll, we'll get to it in episode three. Okay, great. So, <laughs> Episode 3 coming up. So I'm Aubrey, goodbye. And I'm Audrey, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you in episode 2. Cheers, bye. Cheers, toodles.